welcome to the Evoke Ag podcast, the show where we take a look at the ag tech and food innovations changing the future of farming. Hello and welcome to the AgriFutures Evoke Ag podcast. I'm your host, Steve Honor. This week, we bring you a podcast from AgriFutures Grow Ag the gateway to Australia's agri-food innovation system as we speak to Graham Barnett, the Managing Director and CEO of Cuponics, a company that produces marine microalgae that is used for the co-production of protein-rich food ingredients and high-value oils. Cuponics successfully developed a pilot farm in Brisbane and now has plans to build a complex of six farms, each 100 hectares in size, at South Ballina in New South Wales a region deemed the Goldilocks zone for marine microalgae farming in Australia. The Queensland Agritech Company is currently seeking investment for a $1 million bridging round to help scale sustainable oil and protein production. It's an exciting opportunity for impact investors and those with networks in food, beverage, pharmaceutical or nutraceutical manufacturing and distribution in Australia, Asia, USA or Europe. Our GrowAg contributor Judy Kennedy caught up with Graham to learn more about Cuponics, their mission to accelerate the transition to drought-proof agriculture, and how the marine microalgae industry could become a major player in the future of protein production. We hope you enjoy this conversation. So Graham, tell me about Cuponics. What's your mission? What's your vision? And most of all, what's your history? with developing this company? Okay, well, first, first the, the history. The company's been operating now as a public unlisted company since 2011. Prior to that, we ran it as a proprietary limited company while we were searching for a business, basically. Originally, we were focused on aquaponics, which, as you may be aware, is a combination of horticulture and uh, fish farming with hydroponics growing um, variety of different uh, horticulture crops and we partnered with a company in New South Wales and we thought well this is interesting and uh, we but unfortunately we soon learned that very capital intensive but very um, marginal in the profitability area so we then thought well how can we improve on that so we thought well let's not have horticulture but we could use the fish to fertilize the cultivation of microalgae seemed like a sustainable good thing to be doing and we could link up with that aquaponics company because they had a lot of space a very large building with a lot of space on the bottom floor because they the ratio of fish to horticulture is quite small so we explored that for a while and then realized that we don't need the fish either that's too much trouble and so we focused only on microalgae so that's really where the name Cuponics came from, from the word aquaponics. For the first five years of the company's operations, we were focused on finding an affordable photobioreactor technology to cultivate the microalgae, primarily because our partner and uh, one of our co- co-founders, Professor Pia Schenk at the University of Queensland had photobioreactors growing microalgae on the roof, one of the roofs of buildings at the university. So we could see these in operation and we thought, well, this is the way to go. 
So for the next five years, I we examined 65 different systems of photobioreactors to grow microalgae and came to the conclusion that an affordable system didn't exist. It's not possible. For example, um, compared to what we're doing now, for every 20 million you spend, you'd probably have to spend 200 million with photobioreactors to get the same productivity. Clearly, particularly in Australia, where we have a very good climate in many areas, the need for a photobioreactor technology um, became less appealing. In 2016, uh, Professor Pierre Schenk uh, completed the obligations for a meat and livestock grant that he had to build a R&D scale outdoor raceway microalgae pond farm. And in the years leading up to that point, we had been developing a species of microalgae uh, and nanochloropsis species that was rich in, in EPA omega-3. And he, for the first time, cultivated our species of microalgae in one of his ponds at the R&D scale farm. And, That's quite a breakthrough. Yeah, and presented the productivity data. And we looked at it, as soon as I looked at it, I thought, wow, that, that was one of those eureka moments when you realise that uh, we, are sitting on, we are sitting on something really special here because the productivity was extraordinarily high. And we quickly reasoned that the eastern, coastal, central area of Australia is a Goldilocks zone for outdoor raceway pond farming of microalgae. Goldilocks and, being just right. Yeah, just right. The temperature's just right. The climate's just right. There are, you know, pristine tidal rivers available with the right level of salinity that you need, which is roughly 50% of oceanic salinity. Some areas, uh, the land is affordable too. So all of these things add up to what we now call the Goldilocks zone from outdoor raceway. And, and where does that spread from, Graham? So north to south? Well, when you get up into the sub, subtropical um, area, which, um, you know, you can't go too far north before you're getting way too much rainfall and too much uh, humidity and that sort of thing. And you go too far south and you get colder winters. So it probably you could probably go to certainly above Coffs Harbour. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Bundaberg might be the limit. And, of course, you can't go far inland because... Um, you lose salinity in the tidal rivers and you also get very high temperatures in, 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 in summer and you get and you can get frosts even in Queensland, of course, when we go west in, in wintertime. And the last thing you want on an algae farm is frost, mm. you know, killing your algae ponds. Yes. Um, so th that's what led us to where we are. We're now focused on building a large microalgae farm at scale. And this is in the Northern Rivers area of New South Wales or slightly further north? Uh, Northern Rivers area was identified as one of the best areas. Originally we thought the Northern, the northern Gold Coast would be ideal, um, but the rivers there are subjected to extreme flooding. Mm. Um, there are one or two sites which are perfect, but the farmers there, you know, the, the, they're basically sitting, they're mainly sugarcane farmers where the land has been laser-leveled, so it's ideal for microalgae farming. They are established sugarcane farmers, and as you may know, um, 
uh, a sugarcane farmer is unable these days to sell uh, a farm as a going concern because the cost of the price of land is too high to make it uh, financially viable for a buyer. And so they're holding out for, you know, uh, land developer prices in the future. So the land, the price of land there is in excess of $100,000 an acre. Um, so we went further south. We looked at the Tweed River. The Tweed uh, has affordable land, but the council is reluctant. In fact, it fairly well uh, bars any development uh, on the river uh, due to flooding and the risk of flooding in the future. And, of course, we've seen that again recently. So we go down further south, and the Richmond River is good. It's excellent. Council is very, uh, very uh, amenable to um, development there. The land is uh, zoned rural and, and, and aquaculture, including uh, microalgae cultivation, is, is allowed. Interestingly, the recent flooding will allow the council to redesign its flood maps so that when we do go to inquire about purchasing land, we'll, we'll know where to buy and where not to buy. Yes. Now, to just take us back, you're talking about a microalgae farm. What is the challenge that Cuponics is trying to address? Because you're you're seeking a commercial opportunity for investment. Can you outline why you would grow microalgae? What are the environmental benefits of a microalgae farm? And indeed, how does it help to close the protein gap that we're facing in the world? Mm. Right? When we first began planning for omega for microalgae, we focused on the omega-3 component in the oil, which is highly valuable, currently estimated to be worth in the order of $218 a kilo for the oil, for the unrefined oil. In the last um, two or three years, we became much more aware of the value of not so much the economic value, but the food value of the high-protein byproduct of extracting oil from the algae, from the harvested algae. We also became aware of the looming protein gap. The world does not have enough pastoral land to grow sufficient livestock to increase stock rates for production of animal protein. The cropping land uh, for cultivation of conventional crops such as soybeans, chickpeas, wheat and barley, etc., that have protein, just, there is just not enough land and probably not enough water to increase production to the very high, much, much higher levels that will be required to meet demand by 2050. So there is just no way with current agricultural technology and practices that uh, sufficient protein can be made available to feed the US population unless alternative sources of sustainably produced protein can be found. As we know, there are companies around the world looking at cell cultures for growing protein. Other mm. companies are looking at insect protein. So coming in with a demonstrable model of farming, including the cultivation, the harvesting and the oil extraction of microalgae, we're now in a position to can seriously address um, scaling up cultivation of algae. Now, the amount of protein per hectare that microalgae farming can produce is a thousand times greater than is possible with beef per hectare, a thousand times the protein. We're measuring protein here, not just... Um, kilograms of product, but kilograms of protein. 
And when you compare the productivity of protein of microalgae farming with chickpeas and soybeans, currently the the highest yielding protein crops, um, it's in excess of 30 times greater for microalgae. The other great advantage, of course, of growing marine microalgae is that there is no need for fresh water. Therefore, we're we're, um, presenting um, a drought-proof form of agriculture. And um, I I like to say to prospective investors and people interested in the company, what is the limit to your sustainability? And I I usually say something like, well, as long as the tidal rivers and the oceans don't dry up, we'll be in business. (laughs) Mm. It's as simple as that. Mm. So, so what are the consumer benefits from using microalgae products? And and you specify marine microalgae. You're mm. extracting omega three oils, and you're looking at the food value of what's left after you extract the oil, mm. as I understand it. So, are these put? Are these then added to foodstuffs? Yes, the the, pro, the protein rich byproduct has approximately seventy percent protein. The protein byproduct would be used as a food ingredient. You know, the, the byproduct is a tan color, sort of a neutral color product, which is favored by the food industry because the last thing you'd want is a bright green, you know, protein that's difficult yes. to use as a food ingredient. Beige is um, good. Yeah. So, you know, beige is good. The oil, the native unrefined oil comes out as a, a dark green fairly viscous at uh, cooler temperatures, uh, but at Brisbane temperatures in summer, it's quite it's quite liquid. Very similar to a product sold by a company in the, in the United States called Qualitas Health under the EWI, IWI brand. Um, very similar, similar species of microalgae was used and it's a similar product. However, by the time we were in commercial production, due to our affiliation with the marine bioproducts, um, CRC, we anticipate that the oil will be refined uh, into its separate components. Certainly the the key point of all this is that we can produce large amounts of protein as a food ingredient and we can produce it profitably due to the high-value oil product that we also extract from the microalgae. So what type of investors are you looking for? I understand your commercial opportunity is for a million dollars in investment what will that enable you to do and who would you imagine would be your ideal partner? We, we, are, we are talking to a number of impact investors, you know, investors that recognise the value of economic and social sustainability. ESG is very important, I think, for any company these days, but uh, we've essentially founded our company on those criteria, you know, the circular economy approach, the, the operation of a farm, that we will build at scale will have no waste products whatsoever. Everything is reused. The water that we would access from a tidal river is is repeatedly reused. There is absolutely no waste products that need to be disposed of. You mentioned you're in the running for that global funding, but there are a range of microalgae farms on the global market. So what do you think differentiates Couponic from the others? (laughs) Essentially scale. There are one or two that are out there that are, you know, sort of moderately large scale, but not very many. Most of the uh, microalgae farms that you will find are in the northern hemisphere. They need to cultivate their microalgae using photobioreactor technology, often within a glass house. 
to protect it from the very cold winters or, mm. or in a warehouse uh, with artificial lighting, um, all of which um, reduces significantly your um, profit. Yes. Uh, so um, what we are planning to do is transcribe our pilot farm operation, which is at very small scale, but nevertheless at small commercial scale, um, into very large scale. So the the... The breakthrough will be in a company being able to manuf- to build a farm at very, very large scale. And we're talking about by, you know, in 10 years' time, we may have hundreds of hectares under cultivation. Can you describe for me how this technology works? You're accessing tidal rivers. I believe you're building ponds and you have a, a, t- a type of roller to to wash through the ponds? Is that how it works? That roller is actually a paddle wheel and the ponds are a raceway pond. They go around and around the pond like a racetrack. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, the paddle wheel just keeps the, 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 the movement and the agitation and the mixing of the algae going, keeps the algae moving around the, around the, race, around the pond, around the racetrack. Yeah. And um, it's important that because these ponds are only about 30 centimetres deep in the water. So the paddle wheel not only keeps it circulating around the pond, but it keeps the algae moving from the top layers to the bottom layers because only the top layers is, is, that has, is exposed to sunlight. Yes. And, of course, as the density of the pond reaches um, its, its maximum density, which is about 0.05% of microalgae in the water, the water becomes very um, dense, densely coloured green. It's quite a nice coloured green. Yep, so once you've got the ponds growing to maximum density, you can harvest each, every pond can be harvested every three days. So you harvest a percentage. A reasonable percent of the water in every pond is removed every three days and put through the harvesting process and then the water returns to the pond and the algae is, uh, is allowed to resume growth till the next three days. Now, you mentioned the newly formed Marine Bioproducts Cooperative Research Centre. You're a core industry partner, Couponics, with the CRC. Tell us about its mission. I believe it's based at Flinders University in Adelaide. Yeah, look, it's based at Flinders University. Uh, the mission of the, M- the MBCRC, as it's commonly called, yeah. uh, the mission is to, is, it's established as a research and development not-for-profit organisation to assist the emerging new Australian marine byproducts industry. It's as simple as that. There are 45-plus different um, companies involved, of which Couponics is one of a few algae companies, microalgae companies in there. Other companies are food companies. Uh, they might, other companies might provide equipment relevant to the industry. Um, and um, the federal government granted $59 million um, in an announcement by the Minister last June, uh, June last year. And um, I was fortunate to be on the panel, of, on the final interview panel on that, uh, that was successful in getting the funding. So the benefit to us is that there are 11 research partners in the CRC, including Flinders University, including Univers- University of Queensland, including CSIRO, and a number of other universities and research institutes, many of which have uh, very large libraries of microalgae and, um, and macroalgae research as well. 
um, and expertise in, for example, the extraction of oils and refining of oils uh, and uh, that sort of thing. Um, University of Queensland is part of that, and we're affiliated with the University of Queensland. We built, we, we upgraded uh, their R&D farm. We, we won a million-dollar um, CRC project grant back in 2016, and we spent that money in upgrading that farm at, on university property to a, a small um, commercial-scale farm that we see there today to demonstrate what we plan to do at much larger scale. Um, so the CRC is going to be basically the research engine of the emerging new marine product, marine bioproducts CRC over the next 10 years. So vitally important for small companies like us, aspiring to be much larger companies in the future. And you would describe it as emerging or established? Um, emerging. Hmm. Yeah, the, 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 the industry in Australia is emerging. It is currently, it's the third generation of, um, of, of um, aquaculture, if you like. You know, the, the, first, the first generation was fishing, the second is what we now know as aquaculture, and the third generation is marine byproducts. What do you think is restricting widespread adoption of technology such as you're practising? Why don't consumers eat in mm. more microalgae products? Well, in some countries of the world, they do um, from different species, such as chlorella, for example, uh, commonly consumed. In fact, you can buy them here uh, as dried as a dried product. You can use in, in as an ingredient in, in food production and cooking and so on. And many people swear by it. The issue with algae protein in general is scale. And um, as we well know, um, to, to be a farm at scale, you have to have 100 million plus in funding. that's the limitation and um, that is where we hopefully will will achieve the the level of funding that we need to become a serious player in alternative protein production so who is your target market are we talking food processing manufacturers pharmaceuticals nutraceuticals Mm, or all of the above all of the above really I'll address the oil first because in the oil it's rich in EPA omega-3. In fact, it's the highest known. Our particular oil has been independently tested to have the highest known unrefined concentration of EPA omega-3 known. And it also has palmitholaic uh, omega-7 fatty acid, which again um, is rare in nature. And uh, having the two, two, those two essential, those, well, omega-7 is not essential fatty acid, but omega-3 is. And by essential, I mean that you, you, have, you can only get it from your diet. You can't, your body can't manufacture it from other components. Well, uh, that's one point. And, of course, uh, food manufacturers are increasingly looking for um, including omega-3s in their, in their foods because it's obviously a, a valuable and product differentiating component. Mm. Um, but it is expensive for them to buy. Um, but um, as uh, the nutraceutical and pharmaceutical side of that market is where the main interest is, um, a nutraceutical uh, manufacturer may buy the product for putting it into capsules, into bottles and sell, sold that way. Uh, pharmaceutical or bio, biopharma companies on the lookout for sustainable producers of algae omega-3 
uh, particularly EPA, which um, has, was uh, about three or four years ago now, was approved by the TGA in America as a therapeutic and therefore is prescribed for um, cardiovascular disease in the, in the US and other countries as we speak. And therefore, um, it is now strongly sought after as an ingredient uh, for refining to pharmaceutical grades by, by pharma biotech companies. Now, the talk about the, the, the global demand for such a product, um, currently almost all, the, by far the most uh, EPA omega-3 is sourced from fish and krill and other marine animals. But of course, that is not a sustainable source, as we know. Um, <clears throat> the fishing industries are in decline due, due to oceans warming, um, acidification, um, and overfishing. So the industry that's looking for alternative sources of EPA omega-3 are looking to the algae industry. And so, you know, we're, we'll be very happy to supply that in the future. Um, the demand at the moment, I estimate, is probably you know, three to five times higher, greater than supply, um, particularly because of the pharmaceutical demand that's emerging. Now, the other side of the equation, the protein, um, <clears throat> we have been approached by a number of food companies uh, overseas and more recently within Australia. I can't mention them because we're under NDAs, but they're all well-known companies in a range of different food sectors wanting alternative protein ingredient sources um, for product differentiation and, of course, to satisfy market demand for alternative protein products, whether they be beverages or foods, you know, meatless meat, chickenless chicken, those sort of things which you hear, you hear about. And you see in the supermarkets every time you go, you can see mm. these on the market uh, available for sale. And I have tried some of them and they're actually, some of them are delicious, you know, quite frankly. Um, others not so much, but, you know, the market's developing. <laughs> the demand is there, you know, the demand is there from large Australian and multinational food companies. Well, demand that's three to five, five times greater than supply would augur well for cuponics mm. and its microalgae mm. production. So I, I wish you well for the future. Thank you very much. That was Graham Barnett, the Managing Director and CEO of Cuponics, speaking with our GrowAg contributor, Judy Kennedy. And if you'd like to learn more about Cuponics' current commercial opportunity, visit the AgriFutures GrowAg platform at growag.com. Thanks for listening today. My name is Steve Honor, and until next time, have a great day.